This is After Immunity, a UMFM limited series that aims to explore the questions surrounding what our individual and collective worlds will look like after we've gained immunity to COVID-19. Join me, Ian T.D. Thompson, as we explore five topics to understand the post-COVID-19 world. Today's episode is part one of an examination of Manitoba's music scene. On today's episode, we talk with Sean McManus, Executive Director of Manitoba Music. And if you are listening live on UMFM, stay tuned at the end of the interview for a selection of music by Manitoban artists curated for your listening pleasure. On our last episode, we explored Canada's local arts scene and how it might evolve in the post-COVID-19 world. In talking with Debbie Werner from the Toronto Jewish Film Festival and Faye Thompson from the School of Contemporary Dancers, we learned of how these organizations weathered the pandemic, embraced even if reluctantly a move to an online format for their programs and services, and how there is a hope and desire from both artist and audience to return to live performances. Today we are exploring local arts through the lens of Manitoba's local music scene. For those unfamiliar with the Manitoba context, the province has both similarities and differences to other areas of the country. Manitoba's 2020 summer was not affected to the same extent as other regions like Ontario because of low case counts. In this climate, outdoor concerts and social distance seating at venues gave Manitobans a sense of normalcy during a rather unprecedented time. However, in the fall, cases rose and necessary restrictions were put in place to slow the spread of the virus. As such, in-person events tentatively scheduled during the tome of low case counts were fully cancelled as the province locked down. Since then, Manitoba's music scene has seen its fair share of virtual concerts and online album releases. The question we're exploring today is, how will Manitoba's music scene transform in the post-COVID-19 world? To help us unpack this question is Sean McManus. Sean is the executive director of Manitoba Music, a member-based, not-for-profit industry association in the province, representing members in varying roles across the music industry. Sean, thanks so much for joining us. Yeah, my pleasure. Thanks for asking. So I guess a really helpful place to kick us off is just, can you explain to the listeners what the objective of your organization, what supports does it provide in the arts community in Manitoba? I'm sure we're a membership organization for the music sector. So we, you know, serve our members. Our mission is to develop the music sector that includes artists, but it also includes music companies, independent entrepreneurs, small music companies. Um, It includes presenters and festivals and venues, recording studios, and really, you know, the health and well-being of the sector is our main is our main goal. You know, we work with classical artists and jazz artists as well, a little bit less with the sort of like not-for-profit symphony orchestra kind of side of the scene. So we're really focused a little bit more on singer-songwriters, recording artists, touring artists, and and we do focus quite a bit on the on the sort of business and entrepreneurial side of the of the sector. So we sort of treat every artist like a business and most of them see themselves that way to some degree as well as as a creative as a creative entity and also as a business and we really work to help folks think strategically about how they invest in their creative work and and how they market it and get it out and connect with audiences and all the kind of partners and pieces that they need along the way to make that happen. Mm-hmm. So the artists themselves are, I feel like they're more focused on that creative element, whereas you're there to help them with the other infrastructure elements. Would that be a fair way to characterize it? 
Yeah, I think quite often that's the case. You know, folks often come into this work through the the creative side of the business more more than anything. You know, and actually lots of folks working in companies came in that way too, playing music and getting involved. And so, you know, you do have folks that come into the music sector with an MBA or a law degree or, you know, some kind of really professional training, but often it's on the creative side. And so, as you say, kind of filling in that sort of entrepreneurial business side is, is something that we do. We don't have in Manitoba a music business college program like a lot of provinces do, like would be offered through Grant McEwen College or something like that. So, you know, we have folks that will come through university or college often in maybe a communication side or writing or, or maybe music, but there's not a lot of music business to all of that. So there's a fairly big role for us to play uh, in that regard in Manitoba. You're touching a little bit on the goal of this episode, which is to really look at Manitoba exclusively and its local arts. And I'd really be curious, in your view, as as someone who works in the space, what makes Manitoba music and its local art scene unique? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's hard to put a finger on. I think folks that are involved in the music scene here know that it's something really special. I think a lot of folks from outside Manitoba know that it's something really special. I mean, I talk to people, part of my job is talking to music people from from all across the country and around the world. And people know that Manitoba is a music place, that Winnipeg is a music place. Why that is, is tricky to figure out. You know, some people joke about the cold winters and the amount of creative time spent indoors. <laughs> but I think there's a lot of things, you know, I think this this size of, of the community means that people, different scenes interact with one another, which I think is pretty cool. Mm. Um, you know, maybe compared to a bigger place where you can sort of, you can spend a lot of time around people that are doing things very similar to you. And mm. I think in Winnipeg, that happens less often, you know, I think, and it causes musicians to stretch out a little bit and probably connect with other disciplines as well. And I think that's part of the unique character of, of the music that happens here. And I think the fact that you, you know, you sort of, you have to work hard to reach an audience like Winnipeg's a small market. And Mm -hmm. so if you want to reach an audience beyond Winnipeg, it takes a little bit more initiative than maybe if you were in a bigger place. So I think that factors in as well. And, you know, honestly, I do think about Winnipeg and Manitoba as kind of a home of historic kind of work around community development and social justice. And I think that plays into it, into the character of the scene as well, Mm -hmm. um, of the music scene. And so, yeah, I think all those things contribute strong audiences, good support for local music and the audiences here. And yeah, obviously there's something uh, a little bit secret sauce about it. (laughs) The secret sauce of of Manitoba's local art scene. I really like that. So this series as a whole is focusing on kind of that post-COVID-19 world, but we can't really start there. We have to kind of start about what we're currently undergoing in the pandemic as a whole. In your view, what has been the effects of the pandemic on Manitoba's musicians and artists during this time? Yeah, well, it's varied for one. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there's more than one effect and it's affecting different folks in different ways. But the overarching primary thing is that our business is about gathering people and it's about travel. <laughs> and so, <laughs> you know, those are the two hardest things to do during during the COVID pandemic shutdown and whatnot. And so not being able to gather people for live events, for concerts and festivals and events, and for artists not being able to be on the road touring in front of their fans and connecting with people. I think both of those things have been, you know, hopefully not catastrophic in the long sense, but certainly uh, in the long term, but certainly have have changed everything. For artists that were 
either in a place in their own kind of creative cycle where they were getting ready to do some writing and, you know, maybe be in a solitary mode or in a, in a creative collaborative mode that would still work over the internet. You know, I think it's been a pretty interesting time and there's been lots of writing going on and lots of collaboration for artists that were a place where that, that was done and the record was made and it was, had just come out or was about to come out and touring was just about to start, it was pretty bad. It had a big impact. And so that has an impact obviously on people's business and it also has an impact on their psyche, mm. you know? And I think that, you know, and then we've had these different kind of waves of, of those effects throughout the year, I think too, where, you know, you've had modes where people were feeling really productive and engaged We've certainly seen it in terms of like the strategic planning on the business side. You know, we've had times where people are like, okay, I'm going to work on my marketing plan for my record. Like I'm going to dig in. And then it started, we go through another wave where it's like, well, I can't even plan a tour. I've had to reschedule my dates three times. What's, what's even the point? And so there's a psychological aspect of this, obviously for everybody in terms of the anxieties and the unknowns around the pandemic. And I think that's been huge for artists. So so I think I think it has been varied. I think overall for the sector, it's been it's been very very bad. Mm-hmm. I appreciate the different ways in which you said this is kind of explored, and you certainly touched on a number of them. I can only say, you know, the buzzword I saw the other day was Zoom fatigue, and I can safely say that I think I think everyone's feeling that at this point. You know, you have that mode of productivity, and then it's a question of how long does that continue on. And so it's interesting to see how that affects the artists. And now you touched on a little bit of this aspect of the business planning of the releasing and how that's kind of all been affected by the pandemic. How has the pandemic affected your ability, your organization's ability? to actually support Manitoba artists? Has it been harder to adjust and to meet these concerns that they faced? Yeah, for sure it has. I mean, you know, again, our business at Manitoba Music so often is about gathering people and traveling. (laughs) You know, Mm -hmm, it's about mm -hmm. getting people together for conferences, for workshops, for training. It's about getting people together for showcases and showcasing emerging artists. It's about working with those artists to get into new markets and showcase for folks in Toronto or LA or Germany. And so all of that's been affected. You know, we, like everybody else, we've tried to move our our work into virtual setting and, and move it online. And, and in lots of ways, like I think with all of these things, there's always opportunities and there's you don't want to miss those opportunities. And and we've certainly seen that too. We found like ways that we can connect with people virtually, you know, international business delegates who we don't have to fly here. And so the costs are reduced and it's easier to get, you know, you can, you can get on someone's schedule for a few hours. You don't need to get them for a few days. And so, you know, there's some things like that that have been pretty interesting, I think, and participation from members too. And, you know, not everybody has to be in the same place at the same time. So I think all of that's been interesting and there's hopefully things that we'll learn through that process that will carry on in terms of our, you know, connecting with people and creating an inclusive kind of environment for people to participate. You know, I think that everybody would still agree that for the most part, being able to do these things in person is just better. We communicate better as human beings when we're in the same room together. It's just, that's just, I think, biology and psychology at work. For us as an organization, I think it's meant that, you know, we've been very lucky, I think, with our funders and most of the of the funding that we've had has stayed in place throughout the year. 
And so, you know, we've still had the mandate to do the work that we do, but it's meant that everything is being done in a new way. So we don't have the old models. We don't have the old, we can't use our old budgets and our old templates and our old structures. We can't use our old partners in lots of cases. And so everything has been almost like starting from scratch and reinventing. And that's been pretty taxing on our team too, I think. Like, again, we came out, there's been different waves that we've gone through. We came out of the gate really excited about the ways that we would try to build community and connect with people and serve our members. And then at times it's been like, why are we even doing this? I haven't been able to go to a show in six months and it feels, you know, and just, and just a lot of work, you know, trying to get people engaged. And, and like you say, the Zoom fatigue aspect, you know, always checking in with members to see what do they actually want? What are they actually up for? Like how mm-hmm. much, how much time can they actually spend engaged through a virtual portal? So it's been a lot. We've had a lot of fun. We've, we've run a lot of really good projects, I think over mm-hmm. the course of this year, but it's, it's been pretty taxing. I appreciate your honesty and just like the challenges that you've had to face, as well as I can safely say as a live show fan myself, not being able to go see live music during this time, I think has been, uh, it it sucks to put it bluntly. Um, So this show, we're looking at the post-COVID-19 world. We've talked about kind of the pandemic itself and what its effect has been. And you've kind of hinted at some of the trends we've seen throughout this, but I'd be curious to know, how do you see Manitoba music and its local art scenes just evolving in this post-COVID-19 world, given given how it's kind of played out across the pandemic? Mm-hmm. I think there's lots to wait and see and, and learn on that. I do hope mm-hmm. that there are some things that we learn and and there's some ways that we evolve. I mean, it's easy to forget that if we go back 12 months or 18 months, one of the things that we were dealing with, thinking about more than anything was how burnt out artists were for being on the road all the time. And the unhealthy nature of the fact that our business has really moved to a place where artists really have to be playing live a lot in terms of the economics of it and in terms of building global audiences in different mm-hmm. markets. And, and that's what we were really thinking about. And now we've had this whole shift where nobody's on the road. Some artists have been really, I think, able to use that time to heal and repair, you know, maybe relationships and sort of think about their own health and well-being, which is great. And so when we talk about the idea of getting back to normal, there's lots of ways which I don't think we want to be back at normal, like mm. what the old normal was. You know, I think we want to be back in a healthier, more sustainable version of the industry. And so what can we learn from these virtual things that we've been doing from taking the time to plan strategically, thinking about a tour as not just like, I've got to get back on the road, but why am I doing this tour? Why am I touring mm. in that market? What's the point? What's the plan? Have I really thought it out? Is it really going to be impactful? So I hope that some of that sticks. I hope that some of the ability to connect with people virtually sticks and makes it maybe a little easier on the artists and, and companies so that people aren't on the road all the time. Mm. No, I was going to say that's really interesting, just in the sense that you had prior to the pandemic, almost some burnout there. And it's a question of, you know, now we have the pandemic and it's a question of like, do we actually want to return back to, to the way things were? And it doesn't sound like we do. Yeah. And I don't know. I mean, the market is a funny thing. It, it's hard to control it, but I do hope that there's something that will be in the psyche of the of the music sector across the board where people, like, I know there's going to be a big, big desire for artists to get back in front of audiences. I know the audiences want it. I know the artists want it. I know the companies want it. Like there's no question. And there's going to be huge demand for touring. And, you know, I feel that too. But I also hope that we will have come through this learning something about maybe how to take care of ourselves a little bit better. And that we, and that we think about that as we start to put these tour schedules back together as well. And, and yeah, like I said, you know, trying to learn from the idea that, oh, it's actually not that strange for us to do this 
particular meeting or this particular showcase virtually. And maybe that, that part of the new normal is something that will help us out as we go forward. So you're getting at some of this, my next question, which has to do with the trends that we've seen across this. And a big aspect of that is obviously online shows, online festivals. Other trends we've kind of seen has been just like the growing use of streaming services to find new music, as well as the artists recording and releasing music more frequently during this time. Quite simply, what's going to stick in this? So it sounds like you think that online shows might stick a little bit if they're targeted specifically, but out of these trends, what do you think will continue? continue to last in the post-COVID-19 world? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think the online shows thing is is interesting. I think we've seen that it works pretty well for artists that already have an audience. Mm. Trickier to find an audience just because there's so much noise online and, and it's so crowded already. So I think we'll maybe see something there. I think we've had a lot of artists who have taken time to learn how to create content, which is something that we, you know, talk to them about all the time, mm-hmm. for better or for worse, you know, yeah. the social media environment that we live in. One really good way to deal with that is to create a lot of content and not a lot of artists, some artists didn't have those chops or the gear to do it or whatever. And now a lot of them do. Um, so that'll be interesting to see how that goes forward. I think the bottom line with a lot of the virtual stuff is that there's no economic model that makes it make sense. Like it's been interesting during COVID to do it. Some artists have been able to do things with tickets attached and others have been focusing on free content. But I think it's not a great, there isn't really a business model that works very well unless Mm. you're an artist of a certain stature to be able to sell tickets to an online event and have it make sense. So I think definitely getting back to a place, I think audiences have been very generous. I think during this time, you know, I've seen audiences have been very supportive of artists wanting to buy merch, wanting to buy a ticket for a virtual show when they can. And so, yeah, coming out of this, hopefully that desire of audiences to see artists, to pay for tickets, to go to shows, I'm really hoping that that is something that that comes out of this as well. And it feels like it will. Yeah. And I just want to jump on what you said about the online shows. So it does sound like being able to have regular online shows, that would be more for artists that already have the established fan base versus those that, you know, they might still be like building up their career. At that point, is it a little bit more tricky to be engaging in that digital space? I think so. That's what I've seen. I mean, I I think that, you know, artists that are able to sell tickets and you know, almost like they're on tour, sell tickets in multiple time zones, you know, or have you see some of these systems are set up that that way now where you can buy a ticket for eight o'clock on the West Coast or eight o'clock on the East Coast or eight o'clock in Europe or eight o'clock in Australia. And it's like those artists that have that global audience are able to sell that many tickets and also are able to, because of that, invest in a certain quality of show. Like I think when we came onto the gates, you know, last March and April, there was a lot of home shows, a lot of interest in just like, doing something, connecting, replacing those tour dates. But, you know, when you speak about that Zoom fatigue, there's only so many hours that we can all be watching video content and we're going to make decisions and we're going to pick stuff that looks good and sounds good. And I I find myself like it's trickier, like it needs to be a pretty well-produced event for me to want to watch it. And so again, you know, it's artists having the resources to be able to do that. And if they're selling tickets to be able to make enough to kind of offset those costs. So I don't, I don't really see that changing. I think the bar is high. I mean, there's a market for quick and dirty and fun content too, but when it comes to concerts, I think the bar is getting higher. And I feel like you're also competing against so many artists out there internationally across the border and everything. Well, and you're competing with everything. You're competing with Bridgerton and the Queen's Gambit. Like you're, <laughs> you know, you're competing with 
yeah, with, yeah. with a with a free YouTube wormhole. Like mm-hmm. you're you're competing with every other bit of online content that people might be spending their time with. And that YouTube wormhole is quite you can get really get suckered into that, that's for sure. So you've talked a little bit about the past model in terms of artists constantly touring, but obviously what we faced in the pandemic hasn't been ideal. As you said, people want to go see live shows. The artists want to play live shows. I'd be curious to know, obviously that is one thing that hasn't been able to be recreated in this, but are there other aspects that, that we haven't been able to recreate because of the pandemic that we will be returning to in the post COVID-19 world? Well, I mean, the big question I think is going to be around festivals and sort of sizable audiences, you know, and mm. and I think the timeline for that is very tricky too, that we don't, we don't know what does vaccination mean for large audiences. And I think it's been really difficult for the mm. festivals to get a read on that, to get, to get public health folks to make solid predictions on that and what it might feel like. And, you know, we just don't know like what what the factors are around variants and we just don't know what the factors are around the immunity levels of, you know, being in a sort of post vaccinated or half vaccinated or whatnot. So I think that's one of the biggest wild cards. I'd like to just switch directions here and get your thoughts on the role of government, the supports that it could give to the local arts during this time. What what role is that government? Is the federal government, the provincial government in aiding the local arts scene in Manitoba, particularly after the pandemic is over? You've talked about the problematic mm-hmm. sort of models prior to the pandemic. What might be their role in fixing the model of Manitoban musicians and artists? Yeah. Well, I mean, I think the role of government is huge. I think that every arts sector and every community around the world has support and a relationship with government. It's the way that we value and support the arts in the same way that we value and support education, which government has a role in, and healthcare, which government has a role in, and infrastructure, which government has a role in. And, you know, I think from my perspective, support from the public side for the arts is just as important as it is for bridges and infrastructure. We need it in our lives. And and the, that's the way the economic model's built. There's no way for me to personally afford to build a bridge. And there's no way for me to personally afford to support a symphony orchestra. You know, the government has to be involved. So, I mean, that's that's my fundamental belief regardless. I think in the context of the pandemic, you know, it's even more so. And we've seen that response from the federal government. The federal government has said, with regards to individuals and businesses and small businesses and the arts sector has said, we understand that everybody's in shutdown mode for the greater public good. And we're here to to backstop that so that these organizations don't disappear. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's been great. The support provincially, I think that, you know, the provinces are always going to wait to see what the federal government is doing and try to lean as much as they can on that. and, And that's fine. But I certainly hope that the provincial government sees that there's a role that a strong arts sector in Manitoba is, is good for all Manitobans and that COVID is, is affecting all sectors, but it's, it is affecting the arts sector. We are among the hardest hit. We're the first to close and we're going to be the last to open. Mm-hmm. And, and there's so much that the arts sector can't do to operate that's not as, it's not as simplistic or easy to understand maybe as a store is closed and therefore they can't have customers come in, but maybe they can do takeout or something. You know, it's, on the art side, it's a lot different. The economic models during COVID just don't 
are not anywhere near what we actually need to have a sustainable arts community. It's, you know, it's a patchwork of being able to maybe do some things, but I think there's a huge role for government and I really hope that they see it. And I think, you know, your question about how do we evolve this going forward? I mean, again, I hope that there's a, an ability to kind of learn from this and say, are there ways to reset the relationship as we go forward based on what we've learned? You know, are there ways to provide more long-term sustainable funding for the sector that's not mm. project by project or year by year? Like, especially the project funding, we've really learned this year that when we rely on that and then suddenly something happens and you can't do a project, then that means what happens to all those artists, to all those arts workers that are trying to sustain you know, if, if our organizations had more long-term sustainable funding, then it would make those pivots and those changes much easier, you know, which on our side in our organization we had, and we were lucky to do, but it hasn't been the case for all arts organizations. The series as a whole is, is pretty future oriented, you know, talking about what the future might be. And, and I'd be remiss if we didn't talk about the rest of 2021 and what Manitoba Music and your organization has kind of down the pipeline. What can people expect from Manitoba Music in the upcoming year, events, programs, and the like? Yeah, I mean, we are, you know, we've we've gone through pretty much a whole year now of doing virtual-based programming. We've learned a lot. We've mm-hmm. tried different things and we've learned, you know, about different ways to kind of interact and connect with people. So we're looking forward to continuing that. I mean, obviously we're looking forward to being back in a place where we're meeting with people in person. And I think that a hybrid element of, you know, how do we bring some of the things that we learned about the work that we do virtually into those in-person events, I think could be really interesting. How do we use that to connect with maybe Manitobans that are not in Winnipeg or in, in remote communities, and then also with, with national and international folks. And, you know, so that'll be the next learning curve is, is mm. that kind of hybrid model, I think. So we're looking forward to tackling that. And, you know, I mean, we're really looking forward to artists being able to get back into their cycles so that we can really see the, the benefits and the results of the work that has gone into the planning and, the, and whatnot. But we know that there's a lot of creative work that is going to come out this year, records that are coming out, regardless of not being able to tour or whatever. So we look forward to supporting and amplifying that activity. And, and yeah, I mean, also just looking inward, you know, at, at what we're doing, how we're working as a team and making sure that, that we're taking care of each other and staying healthy and staying in a position where we can properly serve our, our community. Awesome. Well, well, Sean, I'm very grateful for your time. Do you have any final thoughts in regards to the Manitoba local arts scene and how it might evolve in that post-COVID-19 world? Yeah, I mean, I guess when I think about getting to a place where we're connecting in person again, you know, I, I really think about the kind of synergistic meetings that happen that I think inform so much of our creative output and creative community and also the business output and the business side of what we do. And that I think is really missed. I think that what happens in a virtual setting is we can have a lot of purposeful connections with people that we're close to already, but those sort of happenstance that kind of like, you know, running into people in a club and just being out, seeing shows and maybe seeing things that we, that we didn't have to specifically log on to, to watch, you know, and being surprised by things. I'm looking forward to that being back a part of the mix I think we may be underestimating the power of the loss of that kind of happenstance and synergy that happens from from those kinds of in-person things. So, so I so I do look forward to that, and I do hope you know for the sake of the artists who who love so much being on stage in front of an audience that we get back to that soon. 
And I can safely say as someone who would be in the crowd, I fully agree with you. Just being able to see a live show would be uh, one of the most exciting things I'm looking forward to when we're all kind of in that post-COVID-19 world. But uh, but Sean, thank you so much for your time, willing to talk about the Manitoba local art scene and where it might all kind of land. Great. Well, thank you. Thanks for the very interesting conversation. In the time between when this interview was conducted and now, the province announced $6 million in financial support for Manitoba's arts and culture sector. Notably, however, this $6 million is for the whole sector, not just the music sector, which also includes museums, galleries, festivals, cultural facilities, community arts, publishing, and the artists themselves. It is yet to be seen whether this funding, along with the announced federal funding, will address the long-term sustainability challenges of the sector that Sean raised. We will be continuing this discussion on Matoba's music scene in a later episode. Now, because we are talking about Matoba music, we thought it was actually necessary to hear from some of the great talented artists that the province has to offer. If you're listening on UMFM, continue listening. If you're listening on your podcast app, visit the link in today's episode description to hear the full selection of music curated for your listening pleasure by our music coordinator, Neil Kramer. Here is Amos the Kid with his track, All Right. Thanks for listening to After Immunity. If you're listening on the podcast app, visit the link in today's episode description to hear the full selection of Manitoba music on umfm.com. A big thanks again to Sean McMass for coming on today's episode. We will be continuing this discussion of Manitoba's music scene in a later episode in the series. However, next week, tune in as we explore mental health in the post-COVID-19 world. Host and executive producer is myself, Ian T.D. Thompson. Associate producer and music coordinator is Neil Kramer. After Immunity is a UMFM 101.5 limited series broadcasted out of the University of Manitoba. For more information on the series, visit umfm.com. If you have any thoughts or comments on the series or anything you heard on today's episode, email us at after.immunity at umfm.com.